Try to understand that with your mind, but just enjoy it with your spirit. Hallelujah. <laughs> and we get to serve him, and we know him through his son Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. In just a little bit, we're going to have Gus share a word on the Holy Ghost. We say these days the Holy Spirit. King James is Holy Ghost, but he's going to be talking about that. And now we will release the children to your places, to your classes, and let's greet each other in the Lord, and then Peter's going to come and share some stuff with us too. Well, I think we're already ready to use our voices this morning. Good morning, everybody. Oh, here we are. Jesus is lording at the top of our lungs, but oh, good morning, Peter. Good morning, everybody. There we go. All right. So a few announcements for us this morning. Um, nothing too, too exciting, but um, um, one note that we do have for this morning is that um, uh, although we had previously announced that there was going to be a meal after church, uh, a little disappointing, no meal, obviously, uh, after church today. Um, that doesn't mean you can't stay around, fellowship, all that good stuff, but no meal. Snacks. There will be snacks, so... There's still something to put in your mouth while you're conversating with another, one another. Um, yes, uh, normal things, they'll be up on the, on the screen here. Uh, Wednesday night activities, uh, kids youth group meeting, of course, adult Bible class, all that good stuff. Thursday Zoom uh, Bible study with Pastor Dean. Uh, yeah, all those good things. Uh, so... I'm sharing uh, with us today from Robert Morris's The Blessed Life, excellent book, something worth uh, your time reading if you want to hear more of these types of things. I'm sort of skimming through, summarizing, giving bits and pieces here, but uh, um, maybe giving you a taste, I guess you could say. So if you ever want to read all of Robert Morris's full thoughts on these things, go pick up this book. Um, but this is called uh, Life, Not Law. Uh, these are his words. He says, tithing is life, not law. Uh, that might surprise you, uh, and it feels like uh, I need to make that statement right up front because a strong do dose of truth that I've been presenting here um, may have uh, come across as something difficult for some people to understand. Um, some people well-meaning but misguided Christians react to the message about tithing by telling me that they don't tithe because tithing's part of the law, it's part of the Old Testament, something in the past. Um, and with all my heart, I want to tell you, want you to understand something, that tithing is not a law to me, it is life. Let me say this again, I don't tithe because tithing was a part of the Old Testament law, I tithe because it's, I tithe because it's life to me and to my family. Moreover, as we uh, have been seeing, that it is something that runs through uh, out the Word of God. Uh, in fact, we see that it is something that predates the law of Moses by thousands of years. The principle of the tithe, or the first fruits, the firstborn, was an operation um, as Abraham gave a tenth of his boils to the king priest Melchizedek who is a type and a shadow of Jesus Christ himself. You can write, read about that in Genesis 14. 
And the principle goes all the way back to the opening chapters of Genesis, where we see Abel's offering is accepted and Cain's is rejected. In a sense, it even goes back further than that, though. Uh, we can see that the principle of the tithe is in God's first instructions to Adam and Eve about the trees in the Garden of Eden. It says in Genesis that the Lord took the man and he put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree in the garden you can freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Now notice that in giving Adam and Eve stewardship of the garden, he also gave them every tree from which they could eat freely. Except for one, of course. Exercising faithful stewardship of the garden meant that leaving that one tree alone, they were not to take that fruit themselves and consume of it. They were not to, uh, but being faithful stewards meant life to Adam and Eve. By choosing to eat of the fruit of the tree, they were acting like owners of their garden rather than just stewards. And isn't that precisely how the principle of the tithe operates for us today? He gives us stewardship and responsibility over our lives and our goods, our circumstances, our things, but it all belongs to him. He has richly given us all things to enjoy, but he has asked us not to touch his first fruits. He says, the tithe and the first fruits are mine. <laughs> and we demonstrate our faithful stewardship by showing that we realize that we are not stewards and owners by giving back to him in that tithe. So what most Christians fail to comprehend is that tithing then is a something of a test, isn't it? In Matthew 6, 21, we find those very familiar words we've heard before, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I want to notice that it doesn't say where your heart is, there your treasure will be also, even though many people quote and apply it as if it did. It says basically your heart follows your treasure. That, that's why tithing represents such a test for every Christian. The word translated tithe in the Bible literally means just a tenth or a tenth part. And the number 10 represents testing all throughout the Bible. Um, we see uh, in a few examples that there are the plagues that were given to Egypt. Um, and how many were there? Do we know how many plagues there were? Ten, yes, there was ten. And that was something that God did to test Pharaoh's heart. Um, there were ten commandments, of course, and, which were ten testings of our obedience, right? Um, he tested Israel ten times when they were wandering out throughout the wilderness. Ten tests of Jacob's hearts, of uh, ten tests of Jacob's heart um, when he was working for Laban. Um, Daniel was tested um, in the first book of Daniel ten times, of course. Uh, the list perhaps could go on and on. Um, what is true is that the number of ten is associated with, ten, uh, with testing throughout the Bible, and the tithe, or a tenth, represents an ultimate heart test for the believer. But interestingly enough, in the book of Malachi, uh, we find that tithing is the only area in which the Christian um, isn't tested, but is invited instead to test God himself. Uh, it says this in Malachi 3, that you should bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. God is essentially saying, test me in this. I dare you. I 
double dog dare you, perhaps. Um, and I want to extend a friendly challenge to us all today to do this test, to take this test, to test God himself, perhaps. Um, this may seem um, presumptuous of us to test the God of the universe, um, but I think more Robert Morris is right in this, that he is begging us, asking us to see if he is as good as he says he is, <laughs> uh, to see whether the God of the universe is who he promises he will be uh, in our everyday lives. Um, so why don't we just bow our heads and pray, and just a reminder that the tithe boxes are in the back, uh, on the boxes on the wall there. Uh, but Jesus, um, we come before you today with what seems like limited resources. We have lives that have limitations, it often seems like, and we see those bounds so clearly of what we think we can do and accomplish in this world, in this life, and it seems so obvious. <laughs> Um, I can only do so much. I can only um, have so much influence in this world. Um, but God, you say that all things are possible. Um, you say that the little church in Ten Strike can have um, universal um, influence in this world, that our prayers, our resources are not finite, but are infinite in your spirit, in your goodness. <laughs> so we just ask that we be given the faith and the confidence in you, Jesus, to step out in whatever ways that is, with our families, with our businesses, in our community, in uh, our online presence, whatever it is, Jesus, that we would be looking for ways to see your goodness, your kingdom come in this world around us, to see your world in our little, in our little lives, in our little bounded, finite ways that we see our world, that we can see those things expand and expound beyond our imagining. Let us test you this week, Jesus. See if you are as good as you say you are. And we do that just by even putting that tenth into those boxes in the back, Jesus, by believing that you can do more even when we give that little bit less. So in your name, Jesus, amen. All right, so we just invite, invite uh, Gus up. He's going to be sharing the word with us this morning. Why don't we give him a hand as he comes up here. Welcome. Yeah. Praise the Lord. I'm hooked up. It's always good to know that you're hooked up. But what we need to be is hooked up to the Holy Ghost. And that's what we want to talk about this morning. It's about being hooked up. You know, when you're fishing, you don't get excited till you get hooked up. When you get that big one on, you know you're hooked up, huh? We want to be hooked up this morning. And, and what just keeps jumping in my spirit, you know? Rejoice and be glad in it. Woo! For this is the day the Lord has made. Oh, we just need to get happy sometimes. We don't need a reason to be happy. Things might not be going good. You know, people are complaining because gas is $5 a gallon. Gas has been $5 a gallon for years in Europe. I wonder what it is now. Think about that. Things could be worse. And they're probably going to get worse. Well, you know, the Bible says that. 
that in the end times, huh? but praise God, we have a God who loves us. You know, the Bible says that in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And that was Jesus. Hallelujah. He was there in the beginning. But what did he talk about when he was on this earth? He talked about God the Father. They said to Jesus, show us the Father. That's all we need. Just show us the Father. He said, how long have you been with me? And you still don't get it. I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. And he always said, I speak what the Father gives me. I do what the Father said. Well, hallelujah. But there's more to it than that. That's only part of it. You know, I grew up in the church and they used to say, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And then I got over in Eastern Europe and they did it backwards. <laughs> but it's still the same Holy Ghost. It's still the same Spirit of God. Hallelujah. And the Spirit was there in the beginning. The Bible says in Genesis that the Spirit moved on the waters. Ooh, and when that happened, things began to change because God spoke, hallelujah. And so nothing has changed. That spirit is still here. Ooh, it's working in us. He's still here working in the world today. And so we just need to hook up. Hook up, you know. If you can hook up to the Holy Ghost, things will change in your life. Oh, hallelujah. So, I just want to share a couple of scriptures this morning. And these are scriptures that you have heard so many times, you know so well. But maybe it'll just open something up to you today. And I want to start out in John, the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 26. Hallelujah. And I'm reading it out of, you know, my good old King James Bible. It says, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. Whatsoever I have said unto you. And what you see up here is the good news version. And it says the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you. Bible says everything. If we are open to him. You know, but sometimes we just need to press in. 
That word just keeps coming back to me. We need to press into the things of God. Yes. Ephesians 3.20 The God who can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we think or ask. And that's our God. The God who can do exceedingly abundantly and he wants to do it in our lives. And he wants to do it every day. But we need to hook up. We need to be in fellowship with him, the Holy Spirit. John 15, 26. But when the comforter is come, or when the helper is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father. He shall testify of me. And there again, the Good News Bible says the helper. Oh, I just thank God that help is on the way. Think about that. God has given you a personal helper. He's right here on the inside. You know, sometimes we're hooked up. Sometimes we're not. Sometimes we're led astray by the things of this world. But we need to hook up to that Holy Ghost, that spirit that's moving on the inside of us who would teach us all things, who has an answer for every crisis and problem in our lives. If we would learn to follow him, if we would hear his voice. And you know, it's not always an audible voice. I think when God speaks to us, you know, it's a still small voice usually. You know, God can speak to you and it may sound audible to you. And there's people sitting around you that they don't hear a thing. Because God wasn't speaking to them. He was speaking to you. And sometimes it's just that testimony on the inside. It's like a green light or a red light. Stop. Don't do that. Or go. I'm with you. We need to learn to be led by the Spirit of God. The Bible says that the sons of God, Romans 8, are led by the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. That's what God wants to do. He is our guide. He wants to lead us and guide us and pass of righteousness for his name's sake. John 16, 13. How be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. Now, I didn't write this book. But it says 
that he will show you things to come. And things, you know, when I was on the mission field and I was in places that were dangerous, you know, I preached the gospel in places where I actually had a price on my head. And when you're in that situation, you learn to walk with God. And you learn to hear his voice. And be led by the Spirit. I remember once, you know, the, my head pastor when I was in Mexico. He said, you have to leave this village. They have a price on your head. And they are making plans to kill you. And you need to leave. And I wasn't ready to leave. But in obedience to my pastor, I went back to Mexico City with him. But I didn't have peace about being there. And I began to pray. I said, Lord, speak to him. Tell him to send me back. And it only took a few days. And one day he said to me, you need to go back. But I remember when I went back, I'm on the bus, and you couldn't take the bus all the way back in the hills. There were no buses. There was really no transportation. You had to try to catch a truck back into the village. There were no streets. There were no cars. And the Holy Ghost spoke to me. And he said, you are entering into the mouth of the lion. He said, if you go... I'll protect you. But it would be better if you didn't go. So before I left for the hills, I, I got a hotel room. And I stopped and I fasted and I prayed for three days. Until I had peace about going back to the village. And what would happen is, the people that run the village, they would take up a collection in the community. And they would buy alcohol. And they would get drunk. And when they did that, their courage rose a notch or two. And so it wasn't a good time for me to go back to the village. But after they sobered up, they had a hangover, that's when I came back. <laughs> they never touched me, at least not for months. So we need to be led by the Spirit of God. But the Bible says, I will show you things to come. But something happened last fall that made me stop and think 
that we as a church are missing God. Because, you know, he does it on the mission field. That's great. You know, you read the stories about the Apostle Paul and how God moved in his life. But he wants to move in our lives, in our daily lives. Little things. He wants to fellowship with us. Oh, hallelujah. I remember last fall, everybody was short of hay. We didn't have hay for the cattle. I had hay, but it was poor quality. I thought, I need sugar beets. So I talked to my brother-in-law. You know, he's got trucks. And he could hollow. And I'm bugging him all fall. I said, we need to go get sugar beets. And so we were working on the truck, and there's all kinds of trouble with the truck. And he had had a severe case of COVID over winter. And they had given him more oxygen. The doctors said they had never given a patient that much oxygen. And he went to the doctor. He had a stint put in. I thought, this does not look good. The doctor told him, he said, what you need is open-heart surgery. So here I am praying for sugar beets. My driver is supposed to have open-heart surgery. And I'm thinking, this is not going good. <laughs> and so he went to Fargo. And I thought, I need to pray about it. But a burden of intercession came on me. And you know, sometimes you've got to pray things through. That's why God has given you the Holy Ghost. That's why he's given you that gift of tongues, to pray things through. And when I got all done praying, I saw in the Spirit this truck going back and forth, big semi. I thought, wow, that's strange. The Lord said, you will have sugar beets all winter long until spring comes. And then I wrote down in my prayer book, he does not need an operation. And you will have sugar beets all winter long. And I, after I wrote it and I read it, I thought, but that's impossible. That's just contrary to fact. And so the next day I called my sister. I said, well, what happened? She said, he doesn't need surgery. The doctor says his problem is his lungs from COVID. There's nothing we can do. And he usually logged all winter. But he didn't have anything to do. 
so we hauled sugar beets. But the rest of it, I had to wait until spring to see if that word would really come to pass. He hauled sugar beets all winter long until the road limits went on. And I thought, praise God. Hallelujah. But what I'm trying to tell you today is that God wants to hook up with you through his Holy Spirit. And those little things in life that happen every day, he's concerned about them. He knows about them. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He knows what's going on in your life. And he wants to do something about it. He wants to hook up with you. He wants to have some communion and fellowship with you. Oh, hallelujah. But we need to do our part. We need to hook up. You need to get your fishing rod up, you know. You need to spend some time with him. That's what you need to do. And I think I spend more time with him than a lot of people. Because I don't have a cell phone. I haven't turned my TV on for three years. I don't think. I spend time alone with the Lord. Because the Holy Ghost is my companion. He is my friend. And I talk to him. And he talks to me. But what I realize is that God who can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we think or ask, we, we're missing it, church. We have only seen a glimpse of glory. What God wants to do is bigger than you can think or ask. And so we need to press in. Hallelujah. I just want to share a couple notes. And here's a question for you. Is the Holy Ghost a force or a friend? Is the Holy Ghost a power or is he a person? Catherine Kuhlman, when she ministered, would look out over those seated in the audience for her healing service and say of the Holy Spirit, He's more real to me than you are. And then she would say, Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. He's all I got. And I think that that's what she held dear in her life. That nothing else really mattered to her. It was her relationship with the Holy Ghost. She referred to him as a person and a friend. 
whom she knew in a deeply personal way. And when you stop learning about the Holy Spirit and begin to know him as a person, your life will never be the same. Instead of trying to add power to your life, you will surrender to him, his will, his love, his direction. If the Holy Spirit is a power, we'll want to get hold of it. But if the Holy Spirit is a divine person, then we'll want him to get a hold of us. Not only does he have the ability to think, to communicate, and to express his love, he is easily wounded by our careless words and actions. We cannot fathom the things that God has prepared for our future. But God hath revealed them to us through his spirit. That's 1 Corinthians 2.10. God's spirit is so gentle and loving, he's been compared to a dove. And he is easily wounded. Just as the Lord was grieved by the hardness of their hearts, the Holy Spirit can be grieved. Hallelujah. Ephesians 4.30, and it's a stern warning. It says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. The word grieve means to cause sorrow, torment, offend, insult, or cause pain. The word says, quench not the Spirit. Hallelujah. Sometimes the Holy Ghost announces his arrival. But when he leaves, he never announces his departure. And we know that sometimes the Spirit is so grieved that he leaves. Remember King Saul? When the Holy Ghost came on him, the Bible says that he became a, a new man, a different person. The power of God came on him. And he began to prophesy. But when he grieved the Spirit of God, the Spirit left him. It departed from him. And he lost that anointing that he had. The same thing happened to Samson. His power left him. The spirit left him. He didn't even know it. And he was taken prisoner. And his eyes were gouged out. And he was chained to a mill to grind corn and grain.
David grieved the spirit when he got in trouble with Bathsheba. But he had the good sense to repent. And those famous words, and it's part of the liturgy in the Lutheran church, take not your Holy Spirit from me. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Oh, hallelujah. He was crying out to God. He said, create a new spirit within me. That should be the cry of our heart. When we miss God, when we <laughs> grieve the spirit, when peace leaves, we lose that peace that we have with God. But when the Holy Ghost comes, whoo, Acts 2, 2, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Acts 2, 3, immediately there appeared what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Hallelujah. John the Baptist said, There is one coming <clears throat> after me, greater than I, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to unloose. He will fill you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Praise God. I remember that old song, Spirit of the Living God. Fall afresh on me. Melt me. Mold me. Fill me. Use me. Spirit of the living God. Fall afresh on me. You know, it isn't something that happens just once in your life that God fills you with his Holy Spirit, or the hand of the Lord comes upon you, or God pours out his Spirit on you. It happens over and over again. Read the Old Testament. Read the New Testament. It happens. The Spirit of God just comes sometimes. It, it just falls. You can feel it sometimes. It, it's like a fresh, a fresh falling rain. It's like a wind that comes. It's the power of the presence of Almighty God. And God anoints you to do some small thing. Or maybe even go and talk to somebody. Oh, hallelujah. Woo! 
God wants his hand there all the time. We need to walk in his presence. You know, I, I remember years ago, and that's before I really started fellowshipping here. And I went to the bank, and I'm, I'm talking to, you know, the lady at the bank. And <clears throat> she's telling me, you know, that I can do my banking online. And I thought, I, I'm really not interested in that. But she takes me over to the computer and sets me down. And she's telling me, how, showing me how to do it. And I'm sitting there. I, I really wasn't listening. <laughs> I really wasn't interested. But what caught my attention was the Spirit of God was there so strong. I thought, this lady is full of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Who? She's sitting right over there. That caught my attention. And people notice sometimes that you're different, that you have a different spirit, that there's something going on in your life, that you have something that they need. Hallelujah. Has anybody ever said to you, whatever it is that you got, I need it. And they open their hearts up to the things of God. Because they recognize that presence and that peace, that love, joy, that joy in the Holy Ghost that only God can give. When you have peace, even when things are going wrong, when you have peace, when things are tough, hallelujah. I know so many times, you know, I just stop and I say, Lord, how are you going to get me out of this situation? I remember going to school in the morning, you know, my car just quit. won't start, it won't run. Here I am stranded on the side of the road and I gotta be at school an hour. And I, there's no traffic, nobody on the road. And I said, Lord, well, here I am, you know where I am. I trust that you're gonna get me out of this situation, that I will be in school on time. And I waited a few minutes, and pretty soon this truck comes down the road. The guy stops. He says, you got trouble? Can I help? I said, yeah, take me home. 
And I get home, and I said to my brother, I said, you need to take me to school. <laughs> and I got there just in time. <laughs> I say God is never late. We are sometimes, but God is never late. He's always on time. And so, it's important to be hooked up. We need to know where God is in every situation. You know, life is tough and, and things are hard. You know, you heard this story about the family in Kentucky. Lived on some old, you know, hard scrabble farm where life was tough and it was hard to make a living. So they thought, we're going to go to Oklahoma because they heard that things were better there. They get to Oklahoma, same thing. Hard scrabble farm, you know, you can't grow anything. So eventually they sold it and they moved on. But the man that bought it, he discovered oil on the farm. The ground was so permeated with oil, it wouldn't grow anything. What I'm saying is, we need to follow God. Because God knew there was oil in that ground. It's not really, well, it is about oil. Right now, it's about oil, huh? Turn on the news, what do they talk about? Oil, the price of oil. Price of gas. But God knows. He always knew. If they had known, they wouldn't have sold the farm. They just stayed there until that oil was discovered. God always has a better way. God can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we think or ask. And he'll show us what we need to do and where we need to go. If we're willing and obedient. The Bible says we will eat the good of the land. But we need to hear his voice. We need to be led by his spirit and not by the things of this world. You know, I was listening to the radio and they, they were, was that a Des Moines, Iowa? And they had American stories. And this is a great American story, probably one you've never heard. It's about the Shining Girls. The year was 1918. So think, World War I. They had discovered radium. And so the government had set up a factory. And radium glows in the dark. 
And so they hired all these young girls. Oh no, it was a good government job in hard times. It was a prestigious job. It was a job not everybody could do. You had to be a little bit artistic and you had to have, you know, good hands to do it. And what they would do is they would take a brush, like a paintbrush, and they would paint radium, like on clocks, you know, and on military instruments, and who knows what they were making. And the government said, well, this radium, a little bit won't hurt you. That's what the devil tries to tell you. A little sin won't hurt you. And he draws you in. And so these girls, they worked with this radium, and they believed what the government told them. They believed what the scientists told them. A little bit won't hurt you. And so then they started to mess around and they started to use it as makeup. And they'd paint their faces. And oh, it was great fun. You would glow in the dark. They'd paint themselves up when they went out to the dance hall. That's why they called them the shining girls. They would glow in the dark. How about that? You're in a dark bar, dark dance hall. And you, your face would shine. And so it was great fun. But years went by and, you know, they all left, got new jobs, but they kind of communicated with each other. And they started developing these strange health problems. And they tied it to that radium. Because, you know, they had trouble pointing their paintbrushes. And so they were told that the best way to deal with that was to put it in your mouth and point the brush. When they were in the hospital dying, One of their favorite things to do was to turn the lights out. All that radium went into their bones, and their bones would all glow in the dark. They all died of radiation poisoning. My youngest brother, they were treating him with radium because he had cancer. <laughs> Experimental therapy, I think it's called. Practicing medicine, maybe. He's dead, of course. <laughs> and so, I, I only tell that story because Things really haven't changed. Some of the things that government is telling us are not really true. 
Some of the things the scientists are telling us are not true either. The only thing that's true is what's in this book. Hallelujah. That is the foundation of our lives. Hallelujah. And you know, God has sent us a helper. Ooh. In the midst of all the mess going on in the world today, God has sent a helper. He's an advocate. You know, it's like legal counsel. In Greek, they call him the paraclete, the one who comes alongside you to help you. He's like a defense attorney, a helper who will fight your battles. A helper who is so good at what he does, he calms all your fears. He's ready to be your counselor, your helper, your teacher, your guide. But he can only help if you're hooked up to it and you hear the voice of the Spirit. And God can help us in so many ways. He can do it through his word. He can speak to us through his word. But he can also speak to us, lead us and guide us. With the, that still small voice of the Holy Spirit. It's a knowing, yes or no, a green light, red light. I should do this or I shouldn't. Isaiah 41, 13 says, For I, the Lord, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. Help is on the way if you believe and you cry out to God. Then just know that help is on the way. And that's when you get on that shouting ground and say, yes, Lord. You can begin to shout before the walls fall down because you know that God has got your back. Psalm 33, 20. Our soul waiteth for the, for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. Psalm 46, 1. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. I love that. A very present help in trouble. There is help. Help is on the way. Help is here. It's on the inside of you. That same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. That power of God, almighty power of God, that created the heavens and the earth is inside of you. If you could release some of that, things would change in your life. 
We believe they are changing. Oh, hallelujah. Psalm 121.1 And I will lift up my eyes unto the hills. From whence cometh my help. 124.8 Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Hallelujah. Hebrews 4.16 So let us come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Grace to help. And we define grace as undeserved favor. Hallelujah. And so it's a faith walk. God has called us to walk in faith. We know that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith is. Oh, hallelujah. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things unseen. That is faith. We believe. Because God is who he said he is. And he will do what he said he will do. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. So just know that the answer is on the way. And stand in faith and shout that God has an answer for every problem in your life. That the devil has been defeated. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. As we close today, I just want you to stand to your feet. And close your eyes. Lord, we just come before you today. And we ask you to speak to our hearts through your Holy Spirit. Lord, we want to hook up to a greater degree than we ever have in the past. We want to press into your presence. We want to hear your voice. Lord, you know our hearts. You know our lives. You know our problems. You know what we're going through. Lord, speak to us now. Through your Holy Spirit. Individually.
Lord, we just humble ourselves in your presence today. And we say, Lord, fill us up. Fill us up to overflowing with your love, your presence, your Holy Spirit. Give us the strength, Lord, and the wisdom to press in, to know your voice, to know your will, to know your Holy Spirit as a person, as a friend, as a companion, as a helper at all times, in every situation. so that we can shout before the walls fall down. That we have the strength to finish the race. You know, as that great scroll in the sky is being rolled up, and we approach end times, We're getting close to the end of the race. And when you're almost at the finish line is when you pick up speed and you call for that last bit of energy and strength. And so, Lord, that's what we're asking for today an outpouring of your spirit in our lives. A little fresh oil, fresh water, Lord. New strength to finish the race that's before us so that we can pick up speed and do your will and not be sidetracked by the things of this world. That we might do what you have called us to do. That we might see the end from the beginning that we might see this world through your eyes, Lord, that you might give us wisdom in every situation, and especially in this hour, for the things that are coming on this world for such a time as this. And everybody said, Amen. Hallelujah. Go... In God's peace, and may the blessing of the Lord be upon you. But press in and seek the power and the presence of His Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 If anyone would like prayer, the pastor is here. We would love to pray with you. Hallelujah. Thank you, guys. And let's fellowship. And yes, if you need prayer, come forward and we will pray with you.
Jesus, it's you. Uh. 